This weekend is the anniversary of one of the worst weekends of my entire life. And it was a long time ago. I was 21 years old. And it was this weekend, all those years ago, that I felt heartbreak for the very first time. And there is something to be learned from it. So we're going to cover that this week and a couple of other quick things, too, this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's get started. I was 21 years old, and I lived in Colorado Springs. And for the Father's Day promotion that year, we took a, a couple of people to the Beach Boys concert in Denver. This was, you know, it wasn't a great promotion, but we met these two girls. When I say we, I usually mean, I, I speak in terms of we when I mean me. So I drove these two girls up to Mile High Stadium in Denver to see the Beach Boys. And one of them I became friends with, and she was, I mean... The, the dream girl for me at the time, she was rich. She lived in Palm Springs because her dad had sent her from Palm Springs, California to Colorado Springs where there was this amazing flight attendant school. The world's best flight attendant school apparently was in Colorado Springs. She was also, she was 20 years old. She was tan, blonde California girl, and she drove a freaking Corvette at 20 years old. And her dad had bought her a condo in the most beautiful part of Colorado Springs. So I met this girl, and she was a whole lot of fun. And and then about late August or so, I found out I was going go to go to Las Vegas to do a morning show. And we met each other at some station promotion, and we went home together that night. And we didn't plan it, but we began this two-week whirlwind romance of where... All we did was like look forward to the next time we saw each other and talk about how much we were going to miss each other. And I fell hard in love with her. Her name was Stephanie. And so for the next couple of months, here I am living in Las Vegas. Now, remember, we had had like this two-week whirlwind romance. I moved away to Las Vegas, and this is back in the days before um, email. So we'd write letters, and we'd make a phone call like maybe once a week or something like that. And I planned on going out there flying to Colorado Springs on October 19th, 20th, and 21st to see her for the weekend. And I had not been back to Colorado Springs yet where my freaking family lived, and here I was going to fly to Colorado Springs to see Stephanie and not even see my family. So that's all we could talk about is all like, my God, we have two weeks or we have a week until I leave, and I can't wait to see you, and uh, I, we both couldn't wait for it. I land in Colorado Springs on Friday, October 19th in the afternoon. And we ran out of things to talk about on the way to her house from the airport. Now, I can still picture in my mind's eye sitting in her Corvette, looking over at her in the driver's seat with her big, beautiful blonde hair and realizing, oh my God, we don't have much to talk about because we used to talk about how excited I was to come here and and we talked about how much we were going to miss each other when I moved away and now we don't have a whole lot to talk about so we went and saw a bad movie that night and I don't remember what it was called and we went back to her house and that night we slept together in the bed in the same bed but when I woke up the next morning she was gone from the bed and she slept the rest of the night on the couch so for some reason, I don't know why, in the middle of the night, she got up and went and slept on the couch. 
the next day was snowy. We were kind of snowed in, and we watched MTV, and uh, I don't know what else we did, but we didn't do a lot of anything except just kind of sit there because we didn't have anything to talk about anymore. That night, she got into bed wearing sweatpants, which was an obvious cue to me, like, we are not going to hook up tonight. Don't even think about it. And I wrote, and I, I wrote, I said something to her like, you know, I don't remember what my words were, but it was something like, you know, it's okay if, you know, if your feelings have changed, you know, it's okay. I understand if you don't feel the same way. And the next afternoon, we went to somebody's birthday party that we both knew. And then she took me to the airport and I was never so glad to get on an airplane and go home. And she was never so glad, I'm sure, as to get rid of me. It was the weirdest thing. And we thought we really were crazy about each other. So what did I learn from that? I don't know that I learned anything right away, except that sometimes there's a big difference between infatuation and really being in love with somebody and feeling really connected to somebody. Because I think what Stephanie and I, Stephanie and I had was this infatuation where everything was new and we knew our time was limited and we knew that we only had a couple of weeks until I left. And so let's get the most we could out of those couple of weeks. And then we missed each other. But when we saw each other, it was over. I mean, really for both of us. And so is there anything to learn from it? I think that maybe before you decide that you're in love with somebody, get past that feeling of like newness and infatuation. Hey, maybe it'll never go away. If you're one of the lucky ones where it never goes away. And I, you know, you hear about those things once in a while, but for most of us, you know, the feeling of falling in love is really intoxicating. Doesn't it release like a bunch of dopamine into our system or our brain? And we feel like almost a high and we've all been there where we get a text message from them just as we're about to text them or we find out they like us as much as they like, we like them. And, and you just feel this love, this connection. And maybe you got to wait for it to kind of go away a little bit. They say you should always wait until you have your first fight before you decide you're in love with somebody because you don't know how they fight. So anyway, that was a long time ago. This weekend, so as I record this on the 20th, this was the night of Saturday where we sat around the house and we didn't do anything. I mean, maybe that was the night we went to the movie. Anyway, it was miserable. Okay, moving on. How are you? Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. One thing that we talked about this week on the show was Lena, uh, who is filling in for Fallon. Lena used to be on our show a long time ago. And while Fallon's on maternity leave, Lena is filling in. So Lena has a boyfriend. She lives in New York. And because she's busy and she's doing the morning show, she gets up early. Uh, She's got a lot of stuff to do. She's working on a TV show for like a webisode and trying to get it sold to make some money. And this is her career now. I mean, this, this directing, writing, acting, producing, and editing video, that's her career now. That's not a hobby. That's not a fun sideline. That's what she does. And so her boyfriend, who I understand is just a great guy, he's annoyed because he wants to spend time with her and she doesn't have time. And I get it. I get both sides of it. I'm trying to unzip my sweatshirt because it's super hot in here. Um, and I get it because he wants to spend time with her. But at the same time, that's kind of what you got to do to be successful in anything. Don't you think is really devote a lot of time to it. If you're going to be the best veterinarian or the best, whatever it is you want to be, you're going to have to spend some time. And I think a lot of people, especially younger people, They think that there's a perfect work-life balance. 
And I'm here to tell you that there really is not a perfect work-life balance. There's one that'll work. There's one you can tolerate, but you'll never find a good one unless you just kind of ignore work and spend a lot of time because you're always going to want to spend more time with your family and with the people that you love. And uh, you've heard my horror story about how when I was younger, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I would do my show work at night and the kids would eat dinner alone at the kitchen counter. That was not a good work-life balance. I missed out on hundreds of dinners with my kids that I can never get back. They're grown up now. So that was a bad work-life balance. Then there are people, and I won't name any names, but I know some who they're such great family people that it's hard to get any work out of them because they're so busy doing family activities that they just don't do enough work. And that's a dangerous situation too because your boss might come to you one day and say, hey, you know what? You just aren't doing enough work. I think we're going to have to find somebody else. And so you got to find that balance. And what is the perfect balance? There isn't one. So back to Lena, um, uh, that was something that came up that I thought was really interesting. And I think that they're trying to work it out to at least spend some more time together. And like Lena today on Sunday, she texted me this morning about 10 o'clock. She said, I'm off the phone all day to spend time with Dennis and I won't be on until later. Normally, if Lena worked for us full time, I would say, well, you don't really get Sundays off because Sundays in our business is a work day because you work all week. One of those days that you work, well, you don't work on Saturday and you get Friday afternoon off. But Sunday afternoon, you work on the show that's coming up. But Lena is, I mean, she's a special situation. We're really lucky to have her on our show. So if she wants to take time off on Sundays to go spend time with Dennis. I'll give her a pass on it. But is there a lesson here for us? Yeah, there's no perfect work-life balance, but also to be successful in anything, you really got to work your ass off at it, especially, <laughs> I was about to say, especially when you're new at it, and then we always say, well, life will slow down once this project is done. Well, the problem with success is to maintain that level of success, you got to work pretty much just as hard as you did to get where you are. So to be successful in whatever it is you want to do, plan on working at that pretty much your entire life. I have some emails that I want to get to. Last week on the show, I thought this was really interesting. Um, I talked to, and let me find it here. I'm multitasking. Um, we talked about how I was at a speech at Carson School, and we're listening to this amazing music producer, manager, and he was trying to relate a story um, about how somebody he knew loved Pokemon, but he called it Pokemon. And the audience kind of tittered nervously because, you know, when you hear like an older person say something pop culturally and get it wrong, you kind of feel a little bit embarrassed for them because he said Pokemon. And we're all going, shit, it's Pokemon. So I got an email, and this is from Andy. And Andy says, longtime listener to the show and fan of the, a fan of the podcast. Uh, I love your content and wish more people could have these frank conversations about life. Perhaps that would save some people time, money, and heartache. That's kind of the idea behind the show. And he says, I recently listened to your 25th episode in season three, and you were mentioning visiting Carson and listening to the producer give a speech about Pokemon and how he was mispronouncing it, Pokemon. Dave, I hate to break it to you, but you are also mispronouncing it. Pokemon is pronounced Pokemon. There is no E sound in the name. So I've been saying Pokemon, and it's Pokemon. Slight, subtle difference that I never really picked up on. Pokemon, not Pokemon. Wow. 
And he says, I'm certainly not trying to be a jerk at all about emailing you, but since you were trying to stress the point of always knowing how something is pronounced, I thought I would let you know. Anyway, have a great one. Longtime listener. Love your content. Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I didn't know. And I'm glad that you told me because next time it comes up, I will say it correctly. Probably. Uh, it's funny, Andy. I'm going to bring up one thing. You say content. Love your content. That is a new buzzword in the entertainment industry and everything from if you're a blogger or you do a YouTube channel or you do TikTok or Instagram, we all call it content now. Whereas before, we never said that. We said maybe material. Oh, you have great material for your show. You have great material. But now we all call it content. And it's one of those buzzwords that kind of taken shape like curated. Oh, we've curated some of the best songs to be on this playlist. I think curated, I don't like that word. It sounds like somebody's trying too hard to come up with a descriptive word that means sorted, selected, and arranged. But curated, I guess, is exactly what that is. So, Andy, thank you for the email to... Ryan show at kdwb.com. I read every email that we get. Here is another email. Uh, this is from Becky. And I love this email. Let me just read it to you. Here we go. Dave, love the show. Huge fan. Listen every day. Second, I wanted to share an experience I just had with you as it relates to your book. This morning, my phone randomly got the spinning wheel of death frozen on black screen with the spinning loading wheel. I was pissed and annoyed all day knowing I would have to cancel my plans and deal with it after work. So I get to the Apple store and of course there's a half an hour wait, which annoys me even more. I finally get in and talk to the tech guy and he sits me down at a table for a reboot and he says, it's going to take about an hour. <laughs> at this point, I'm so crabby. I knew this was going to be the longest and the most boring hour ever. Then next to me, I notice an older man. I guess he's about 80. We sat there in silence for a while, and then I thought about the rule in your book about talking to old people, how we forget they were young once and how they, how much they have to talk about if only we took the time to ask. I asked him about his phone problem, which sparked a conversation that led to where he's from, what he did for a living, and why he came from Michigan to Minnesota. I learned about his wife and his dog, who he proceeded to show me pictures of. I learned about his family what he likes to do now that he's retired, and where he has traveled in the world. I've never had an hour fly by so fast talking and laughing with a complete stranger. Better yet, someone who's 50-plus years older than me. After our phones were both fixed and we got up to leave, he told me I was a ray of sunshine in his day and thanked me for keeping him company, and of course I thanked him as well. I wanted to share my experience with you because what could have been a crappy end of my crappy day ended up being the highlight of my week, and that is from Becky. Becky, you almost make me tear up. That is such a sweet story. Number one, aren't old people great? They've got a lifetime of memories and stories, and a lot of the time we look at them and we see just old people, and a lot of the time we look at them and think, well, they're getting in the way, and they're slow, and they're gross, and, and I have no use for these old people. But you say it so well, and it's said in the book, they were young once. They were younger than we were at one time. And it probably doesn't even seem that long ago to them. And they'd love to tell you about it. And we can learn about it. And whether you're asking them about what they do now or about what things were like back in 1949, they would love to talk to you about it. 
and we can learn so much. I mean, I've talked to old people at Boy Scout meetings and found out some of the coolest little factoids about the very first song that was played on KDWB in 1959. It was Blue Suede Shoes, by the way. I've told that story before. Um, to old people who talked about how in Victoria, Minnesota, the park used to be a cornfield where the Native Americans grew corn and how he used to own a gas station that was here where there's a Dairy Queen now. And it's just so fascinating. And Becky, also, I'm very touched by the fact that me, also being quite a bit older than you, sounds like I'm probably about 20 years older than you, um, could have an effect on your life and the way you think. And to me, that's very flattering. And I really appreciate that one. And to you, I would say, don't forget to talk to your old people because your old people, they're not going to be here much longer and we can learn so much from them. And who knows, maybe it's a karma thing. Maybe one day when you're 80 years old, the karma will come back to you and somebody will treat you as if you mattered. A stranger will, ta- a stranger will talk to you and ask you about what, li- what was life like in Minnesota in 2019? I wasn't even born yet, they might say. Do you remember when there was a Mall of America? What was the Mall of America like? What was it like to have to drive somewhere to shop? What was that like? What was downtown like? Did people actually used to go downtown? I mean, think of all the things that will change in the next 50 years when you're sitting there telling somebody about what life was like in 2019. Let's add 50 to uh, 2019. We come up with, is it 2069? Someday in 2069, somebody might be asking you these questions. Becky, thanks for the email. Okay, uh, we are going to do one chapter out of the book. And they're going to, hold on, I'm leaning over to get the book. They're going to wrap things up. Uh, and I really like this one because uh, Tina, web girl Tina, <laughs> has got this great Instagram account. It's called Get That Gram. Get underscore that underscore gram. And it's videos and pictures of people going way out of their way to get their friend on Instagram and get the perfect video and the perfect boomerang. And it's just silly. And there's one where a girl is at the Twins game and she stands up and it's taken from a couple of rows behind her. And she stands up and her boyfriend's got the phone and she kind of like dances with her like hot dog in one hand or drink in the other hand. And it's just a quick little thing. and She's joyful and then she instantly drops the smile and then gets the phone back to look at it. It's called Get That Gram. Now listen, I get it. I'm not making fun of people who want to get that perfect Instagram picture. That's what we do. But I wrote a chapter in the book that I think just kind of like ties in a little bit. And I just want to remind you that if you are going out to, hold on one second, um, I have to close something on the computer. If you are going out to whatever it is and you want to get all those pictures, the pumpkin farm or it's Halloween or whatever it is, um, chapter number 84 is just a reminder. A picture is worth 442 words. Wait, isn't it supposed to be a thousand words? Yeah, probably, but hear me out. I have tons of pictures of each of my four kids. I have hundreds of hours of video of plays, concerts, dance recitals, ball games, and rides on the teacups at Disneyland. These pictures and videos reside happily in boxes buried underneath other boxes in the basement. Oh, sure. I'm glad I have them, but did I really need so many? Go to any kid's event and you'll find a boatload of parents watching the entire thing through the lens of their cameras. They're making sure they get every second a little joshy taking a $50 camel ride at the zoo on a video they'll probably never watch again. Trust me, I've taken those videos. I love my kids beyond compare, but there's no way I want to watch 20 minutes of them wobbling around on a camel ever. Even when they're grown up and left for college, 30 seconds is more than enough to capture the moment. 
I've learned it's much better to be there live, soaking it all in. Watch your kids with your own eyes, not through a lens or the screen on your phone, and enjoy it as it happens. No video will ever be as powerful as you living the moment with your kid. Uh, True. I think now that I read that one, I think we must have read that one a couple of weeks ago because it seems in my mind that we just read that one. But don't you think that's true? Go to your kid's band concert or dance recital or gymnastics event or whatever, especially concerts. Good God, there are parents who tape the whole song. And uh, let me tell you, I've got a lot of those on my phone, but I don't tape the whole song because I never watch them. I just don't. So live in that moment. Put that camera down and just live and soak in that moment because you will get more videos than you'll ever watch. And they're important and you need them. And they're so fun to go back and watch later. And if you're a new parent, get those pictures, get those videos. But don't on Christmas morning, don't videotape the entire morning. I promise you, you'll never watch the entire morning. We never have. And it's been a while since our kids were little and did Christmas morning the little kid way. Hey, we're on Facebook. It's Facebook. Uh, Take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And if you type in take a shower, show up on time, it'll start to populate and you can go to the page like that comment. Uh, you can get a hold of us uh, via email to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Love to hear from you, whether you have ideas or thoughts or something that I got wrong or I mispronounced something on the podcast this week. Please let me know. Always love to hear from you. And finally, it's all about the book, right? The book is what started all this. Take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And it's available everywhere. Books are sold. They can order it for you or heck, you know, everybody knows it's easiest to order it online on Amazon and it's like 15 bucks. And if you want to bring it down to the radio station sometime, then I'll be happy to sign it for you and chat and talk and um, and hang out for a few minutes because I appreciate you buying the book so much. And I also appreciate you listening to this podcast. There are so many great podcasts. And the fact that you've chosen this one to spend 25 minutes on, um, I really appreciate it. I'll plug one other podcast, a couple others. There's Fallon's podcast, Heartbroken which I should be on with my Stephanie story in Las Vegas in, in 1984. Um, there is what else? Uh, Steve's murder Monday, Tina and Jenny have uh, too lame for radio, but I'm going to plug the care 11, 88 days, the Jamie Claus story podcast. Um, it's eight episodes and it covers the entire Jamie Claus thing from start to finish. I'm on episode about four or five right now. And it's so I mean, it's so compelling because we all know the story about how she disappeared for 88 days. And a lot of people thought that she would be gone forever. And maybe one day they would find her dead. But then she turned up when she escaped. And what I thought about that today was everybody on this podcast who knew Jamie described her as mousy and quiet and painfully shy and not somebody who would take control of her own destiny. But she did. And I think a lot of people underestimated her because she sneaked out of that house and ran to get help instead of being a victim. And she was a victim, there's no question. But I think it's interesting that we judged her and the community judged her as a meek, almost weak kind of a person. And she kicked ass so much that we totally underestimated her. And I think a lot of people were guilty about that. Check it out. It's 88 days and you can get it on the podcast app. Thanks for listening. Tell your friend about it. And thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything.